Welcome back, NEC Hoops fans. It is the season finale, the season 11 season finale of the NEC on the Run podcast. I'm Ron Radner. I'm joined by Ryan Peters. Ryan, first of all, I feel that we should have some sort of a cliffhanger at the end of the year. Like, will we get renewed? Are the ratings good enough? Do we need zombies or something to like bring up the tension a bit? I don't know. But uh, it's our last one. Playoffs are looming. We'll be talking about tiebreakers. We'll be talking about standings. That's sort of the theme of the week here. So let's start our three-point shot with you breaking down uh, what happened last week and what the uh, table looks like at this point. Yeah, if you just look at the standings, you know, Merrimack in control of their own destiny to win outright. Another regular season title would be Joe Gallo's second in four seasons, which is incredible considering those four seasons they've had the Division One transition process to deal with and, you know, not being eligible for the NCAA tournament or the NIT. So great job by Gallo to put his team in that position. Um, and then, you know, FDU, SFU, they, they win some games. They're going to get at least one home game in the tournament. They have a chance there. And then Central Connecticut, you know, they were four and seven in league play. They actually control their own destiny for a home game in the quarterfinals if they win out. And granted, it's a tough road for them. They're at Merrimack, and then they have they host Sacred Heart, who haven't they who they haven't beaten in many years. Um, that really doesn't mean anything because this is a different team now. But both Central and Sacred Heart control their own destiny. If they win out the final week, they will at minimum be a four seed in the NEC tournament and have a home game. So plenty to play for. Wagner, St. Francis, Brooklyn, they're still kind of in the mix, although it's not looking great for them at six and eight. Um, but just a lot of jockeying for position here in the final week. So what we know is that two teams have clinched quarterfinal home games, Merrimack and FDU. There's two up for grabs amongst five teams. So from eight and six SFU down to six and eight St. Francis, Brooklyn, six and eight Wagner, everybody has a shot to host the game. So that's some great intrigue heading into the final week. Uh, we The regular season championship, up for grabs amongst, I mean, SFU, while they can't be the one seed, they can conceivably pull a share of the regular season crown if a, every single thing breaks their way next week. So there's a lot at stake. Uh, Merrimack and FDU will battle for the number one seed, but SFU can go as high as two. They also can go down as low as I think six. So th this is a big week for the Flash. Uh, Sacred Heart and Sacred, uh, Sacred Heart and Central, as you said, uh, they control their destiny. Nine wins get you a home game. So they're both seven and seven right now, and they play each other. And then, again, we have a chance at five teams finishing at eight and eight, which would be a colossal tiebreaker calculus going on with me and Craig D'Amico on Thursday night. I'm already getting ready for that. Get out the so, charts. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Seriously. So it's going to be a lot of fun this week. And I like the fact that there's so much still alive that we don't know heading into the final two games of the season. So while we have a lot of parity, Merrimack has really started to distance itself a little bit. They've won six straight. They're playing their best ball heading into the end of February. Tell me a little bit about Merrimack's week and the trajectory that they're on right now. Yeah, well, they beat Hartford, which was expected, but then they went into Sacred Heart on Saturday and just took care of business. They led wire to wire. Um, beginning of the second half, they went on a 16-0 run, holding the Pioneers scoreless for six straight minutes. That's what their defense does, right? And overall, it was just a beautifully played game by the Warriors. You know, they held Sacred Heart to under 40% shooting, 0.81 points per possession, generated 17 turnovers, and then offensively, they made their threes. That's been the big problem for them. But, you know, when you have Devon Savage, more on him later, making seven of nine, 
the team as a whole made 11 threes and, you know, did they get, you know, double digit points as Ziggy Reed and Jordan minor all as well in Merrimack. And they look to be the best team in the league right now. Well, Merrimack's firing on all cylinders. Let you mentioned central Connecticut, Pat Sellers and company made their move. They needed to, and now they're in a pretty good spot headed into the final week of the year. As we mentioned earlier, chance to host a game in new Britain. It's been a minute since they've done that. Yeah, they're playing well at the perfect time. They're rolling now, you know, winners of four straight. And really all these NEC games, three straight for the NEC, have gone down to the wire. But now they're finally executing in the late game situation, which is what kind of bedeviled them earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, they they edged it out against Wagner. They had a, a 10-0 run midway through that game, otherwise known to the analytics community as a kill shot that was critical and pulling it out, you know, by one point. And then how about that triple overtime thriller against Stonehill? You know, a game that had 16 ties, nine lead and changes. Ken Palm called it the eighth most tension of any game in college basketball this year. Because if you look at the win probability, it was up, down, up, down, up, down in those three overtimes. And, uh, you know, it's it's just fascinating. You know, what did you enjoy most of the 55 minutes of basketball on Saturday? It was fat. It was a quick game. <laughs> I loved it. It, it went super fast. No, it was a great week. How many fouls we in had, that game? Not that many. We had uh, we had a great game. Third, we had the Sacred Heart against FDU. It was an awesome game. that went to overtime. Then we had the three overtime, which we haven't had. Remember, you know what the last three overtime game we had was? I don't. I feel like I should know this answer. And once you say it, I'll probably be like, oh, man. You should. Right. Sacred Heart and Bryant, the triple overtime. Oh, yes. Yeah. Knight and Adam Grant going Adam Grant, head. yes. <laughs> yeah, it was that was pretty good. So yeah, no, it was Central's playing really well. You're right. They're finishing games and they have they've gotten themselves to the point where they're a legit uh you know, have a legit chance to knock someone off in the playoffs. Maybe they'll be doing a Dietrich uh, gymnasium as well. Yeah, Dietrich is is interesting because they get a little home cooking in there. You know, the fans are starting to come out now. They had close to a thousand fans for the Stonehill game and they get a home quarterfinal game. They're probably going to fill up Dietrich pretty well. And that's going to be a considerable advantage for Lou Devils. All right, there you go. That's our three-point shot. It's time for our NEC Open mic. And we welcome in Sacred Heart Junior forward, Nico Gallet. Nico, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get started. Last Thursday, you had a huge game last Thursday, 27 points, eight rebounds in your overtime win. Uh, down the stretch of that game, just some amazing shot making on your part, really high degree of difficulty, three of them at the end of regulation, then another one in overtime. Tell me about the zone you were in at that point. And, and were you fueled a bit? I know that the game at St. Francis uh, PA, you know, the previous week, you had the shot at the three-pointer at the buzzer, tough shot. Uh, did missing that kind of fuel you to say, I want the ball, I'm going to get this done? Absolutely. Um, the three-pointer and even the mid-range at the end of regulation, both of them, I thought, for me, were definitely makeable shots. I probably watched them within that week to the next Thursday a couple hundred times. For It was just on loop in my room. I was just, I just kept watching it. And I, I mean, I told, I told my coaches I wasn't going to miss again. And uh, thankfully, I mean, they called my number down the stretch a couple times versus FDU, and I got it done. So that was cool. Yeah, Nico, I, I watched the game, uh, the end of the game, my daughter in third grade, she just started playing organized ball. And I had to explain to her that what you were doing at the end of regulation was not normal. Like, it's not like, you know, just four guys just get off to the side, let him do his thing. But, uh, you know, on the bright side, my daughter and I want your autograph. So congratulations on that. <laughs> yeah, anytime, anytime. 
<laughs> so, you know, one thing that you flashed in that, in that game against FDU was your mid range game. And, you know, you look at the analytics, you're shooting 42% from on those shots, you know, whether it's short, deep mid range, you're, you're in the top 40 percentile in college basketball. So you're doing a good, sh- good job. You're probably not do, making those or taking those shots in practice. I'm sure coach Latina doesn't want you to do that all the time. So, how are you like staying up with that part of your game? Is it all about repetition, you know, outside of practice? Do you have someone that you're practicing with to get a hand up in your face? Take me through how you've kind of honed that mid-range game. Well, actually, yeah, no, I don't take it as much in practice unless I guess we're playing live and we need a bucket. And so the same kind of situation. But uh, for the most part, I mean, I work out a lot. Uh, we have we have a good, great coaching staff that uh, help us get rebounds and work us out. But uh, mostly with uh, Dante Gittins, I work out with him all the time, and he'll put me through drills that I, I'll end up in the mid range a lot. And sometimes maybe we'll even play one on one, or he'll like just have a hand in my face for however many reps. We'll at, at per drill, maybe per workout, we'll probably get like maybe fifty to like one hundred fifty mid range shots up uh, for each workout. And I, I work out a couple times a day, so I, I get a lot of reps up in the mid range, and I'm, I'm real confident in that shot. Your former teammate, Tyler Thomas, obviously loved taking those shots, and he did so last year. How much of your mid-range game was derived from watching Tyler and the work that he put in? One thing about me and Ty is we played a lot of one-on-one. We worked out together a lot in our time together. Like um, That's probably one person who I've worked out with as a player on my team, one of the most and played the most one-on-one with. So, I mean, I probably just just being around him and uh, doing do, like going, going at it all the time and competing just doing doing the same things in the same workouts. Like, I guess we're, we're kind of meshing in that sense of shooting the mid-range. And over at Hofstra, he shoots that mid-range a lot too, so, yeah. yeah. Nico, we'll get back to hoops in a second. I want to go off the court. There was an article about you in Sacred Heart Magazine that talked about your life, the life balance between uh, athletics and academics. I know you study electrical engineering, which is as difficult a major as there is. When you're done with hoops and maybe playing professionally, where do you want to go with the rest of your life? Um, to be honest, I, I see basketball in my future. Uh, even even I, I I do plan to play professionally, but even after that, I I plan to stay in in the basketball world in in some way, whether it's coaching, training, maybe commentating, something like that. I think I got a nice personality. Could tap in with that, but <laughs> maybe yeah. I can get a new co- co- co-host one day. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, I, I still I still like my, that I'm gonna have a degree in electrical engineering, so that that's always like there for me because you never know. But yeah, I don't know how many basketball coaches in the country will have an electrical engineering degree <laughs> next to their name when when yeah, else? Facts, facts, facts. But it's all right. And you're, you you obviously that's a big grind. So you're ready for the grind of coaching, as as you can see with you know uh, you know your coaches and all the work they put in. You talked about Dante and all the work he's putting in with you. You're ready for that grind. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't shy away from the grind. I love being in the gym um, in there 24-7, two, three, four times a day. So I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm used to it by now. You know, when I talked to Coach Latina about you earlier in the year, uh, you know, I was asking about how he recruited you, how he found you. And I, I guess one of the first events he watched you play, uh, you you had an ankle injury and you, were, you weren't anywhere close to 100%. But one thing that Coach Latina took away from it was that, you, you know, your tenacity, kind of just being available, toughing it out, getting out there, even though you knew coaches were going to recruit you at that event. How have you been able to, like, be available for your team? You know, there's been a lot of injuries in this team, as you know. You know, your rotation's been shortened for most of the year. But you've been available for essentially your entire career. How do you do it? Um. Honestly, I'd probably say it's just blessings. Um, you know, it's 
I'll have like, you know, little aches and pains from playing the whole season, even this season, but we have a, we have a good training staff. Um, like right now I pu- I pulled my groin in the middle of the season, like strained it or whatever. So I was playing through that. I got some lower back problems, but I'm just able to muster through it. Uh, I, I, I've never been a fan of like not playing or like if, if like, no matter what, like where, whatever I'm feeling, if I can, in my opinion, if I can walk, I can play. So if I'm walking, I'm playing. That, that's just, that's just how I feel. It's not like a model or anything, but it's just how I feel. I don't miss practice. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, if I can hoop, I'll hoop no matter what. It's, it's what I, it's like, I feel like it's what I'm here to do. So God put me on this earth to do. So that's what I'm gonna do if I can. Hey, Ryan, did you know that I watched Nico play in high school? Came over to uh, Flemington, beat down Hunter in Central, my kid's school. It was, a, it was an, an epic loss, but Nico was great. I told Anthony, I'm like, you got something here because I knew you were getting recruited there. So yeah. um, that was fun. I didn't know that. Nico is from a town which is, you know, basically like 10 minutes from where I live now. And actually, he, he grew up in the town where I, I now work in my, my day job. So uh, I, I know that I know that area very well in Union County. Oh yeah. It, oh, in Rawway, you work in Rawway? Yeah, I work in Rawway. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm I'm still always I'm still over there a lot for like workouts and stuff. But yeah, that's the hometown. Always shout out hey, Nico. <laughs> Let's look forward down the home stretch. Uh, Sacred Heart, you're you're starting to get a little healthy again. Uh, Brendan McGuire's back. You're getting a great boost from Kenny Womack off the bench. Uh, what do you need to do to finish strong here and get the best possible seed in the tournament to? get to your goal of winning the championship? I mean, we got one home game in St. Francis, Brooklyn. We owe them one. Uh, they caught us at their place, but uh, I think I think we can handle that. And then CCSU, we just got to try and uh, finish that out 2-0 against them. Um, I think, in my opinion, if we play our best game, it doesn't matter who we see, uh, we'll be good. So, I mean, getting healthy helps, having Brennan back helps. Uh, some guys get to take a less load off, but Kenny, even, even so, Kenny playing 30 minutes has been great. We even call him the spark. That's the, that's the word around campus these days. He's the spark. So he'll, 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 play, he'll probably be in uh, every other game the rest of the season, the way he's been playing. So. Yeah. My question is where has Kenny been all season? Like he barely played and he just comes off the bench and he's given you 15, 20 minutes of like great contribution, especially on the defensive end with his athleticism. And then he gives you 15 and eight against FDU in a critical overtime win. Where has he been all year? I think that just goes to show uh, how deep our team is. Um, and I mean, I guess, now we can say we have a next man up mentality. Like uh, every day in practice, everybody's competing. Everybody's um, putting up shots and doing things. Just like wow, this this guy could really play. Um, it's, it's it's only it's really only little things that um that probably has certain players over others. Like Kenny, he just put up six, 15, and eight. Uh, I'm I'm sure not a lot of people who are in this conference or even in any conference can not play the whole season and then have a game like that. Mm-hmm. So he he's not even though he wasn't playing the first half of the season, he's not too far off from playing just because of how deep our roster is. And there's, there's a couple more guys on our bench who could probably put in a, put in a lot of good work for us. But I mean, we just such a, we just have so many guys It's you know, a lot of strong guys, but we're deep. So. All right, Nico, you said it all sacred heart, right in the mix for a quarterfinal home game playoffs are looming. Nico, thanks for joining us this week. We enjoyed watching you this season and shout out to all the Jersey ballers out there. We had some good ones on the show this year. You're one of the yes, best. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. We now head into our heat check. On Saturday, Devin Savage was blistering from three-point range.
lethal. He made seven of nine from deep in that left corner, Ron. He was on fire, especially in that first half. Five of his threes came from that left corner. A lot of them kind of in transition. You know, Sacred Heart was pressing and Savage was just kind of finding the corner, receiving the pass and making all those shots in rhythm. Impressive. Not many people know this, Ron, but he leads in league play. He leads the NEC players in three point percentage right now at 90 at 45.9%. That ranks first. And, uh, you know, the James Madison transfer, he's been really good at taking care of the basketball when the lowest, tra- uh, you know, turnover rates in the league at, you know, t- 10.4%. So overall, he's been rock solid for Joe Gallo's offense, obviously providing great defense, really good steal rate, but uh, he's really turned it on offensively, making threes has been a huge boost to Merrimack. You know, what else has been rock solid lately. Devante Sweatman on central coming off the bench. Talk about giving a team a boost. Yeah, combined 20 points on 7 of 14 shooting, 7 assists, 1 turnover, and the 2 Central Connecticut wins. And believe it or not, he's been Pat Sellers' most efficient scorer this year. You know, a team-high offensive rating of 110, you know, per synergy. He's in the top 14 percentile on effective field goal percentage when it comes to catch and shoot. You know, he's really good catch and shooting the ball, especially from deep. And uh, he makes his unguarded threes, which is a luxury for a coach. You know, you hate it when you have a Good look. You execute an offense. You can't make it. Sweatman's making the opponent pay. Another player who was making the opponent pay on Saturday was LIU's Andre Washington. We haven't talked about him this year. Really good player. Great off the dribble. Can take it to the rack. Had 37 points. A career high. It was seemingly out of nowhere uh, because it totally annihilated his previous career high. What a game. What a game. He missed a lot of time due to injury, but he came back and he was in quite a rhythm. He had, you know, six of six of his for, or I'm sorry, nine of his first 10 games were in double figures. So we've seen this type of scoring production out of Andre Washington before, but as you mentioned, 37 points in a loss against St. Francis on 26 shots, you know, he was, he was dynamic. He was scoring every which way, had a couple buckets in the mid range game from three. He got to the rim, very dynamic for Rod Strickland on Saturday. Yeah, it's a top five scoring output in any C game over the last five years. So props to Andre Washington, and uh, that's our heat check. For our stat chat, we turn to St. Francis University, and after losing four in a row, Ryan, they came roaring back. They've won three or four since, including a sweep in Brooklyn last week. Credit to Rod Krimmel and his staff and the players for pulling it out. They're now eight and six. They're in the driver's seat for at least a one home game in the NEC tournament. And they're getting it done offensively. They now have the second best offensive efficiency in league play. The offense has come a long way over the past couple of years when they had about a bunch of injuries and were shortened in the rotation quite a bit. Against LIU, they scored 1.26 points per possession, You know, made 57% of their twos. They had five guys in double figures led by Max Land with 21, had a dynamic game, you know, getting to the, you know, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. Um, and overall, just a great team effort for Rob Krimmel's group. They're playing good basketball. Maybe they get Landon Moore back in it sometime soon. They already have you know one of the best players in the league in the post-Dynamo, Josh Cohen. And uh, with all the pieces around him, we mentioned Land, Ronell Giles, Brad McCabe, Ruggery can hit some threes. He had two of them against LIU. Uh, this team is dangerous, especially from an offensive standpoint. Our game of the week this week is the annual wild card game on ESPN3 and SNY. This Thursday, 7 o'clock, FDU makes the trip out to Loretto to play St. Francis. This is a big one, Ron. Red Flash are 5-1 and one in league playing Loretto, and Fairleigh Dickinson's actually played well on the road, so it's going to be really intriguing. Ken Palm has FDU as a one-point favorite. 
Uh, so it's definitely a toss up. Looking forward to, you know, we're going to see some great offensive basketball. You have the best offensive efficiency in FDU, the second best in SFU. And you got, you know, just star power galore. You know, you have, you know, Maxwell Land and Josh Cohen on one side, then obviously Dimitri Roberts and Grant Singleton coming off a monster performance against Wagner uh, last week. So going to be a lot of offense. I think some high tempo basketball and it's going to be a fun one. Should be good. They played to an 87-82 game in Hackensack. So this should be uh, offense, more offense. It'll be great. <laughs> Big game. Look, if FDU wants uh, to be the number one seed, this is a huge game on Thursday. They need this one. And if SFU wants to keep moving up the seed line and host games or multiple games, they need this one as well. Yeah, it's interesting because FDU's actually played better on the road in league play True. than they have at home. So I don't know, maybe they maybe they don't want to play too many games at home. But uh, yeah, you know, Tobin Anderson is pumped up about this one. For him to get his team in a position where they're now nine and five, they could finish eleven and five and be a, a one or two seed possibly. Just a tremendous accomplishment out of him. You know, inheriting a four win team and having to fill eight scholarships and you know starting in late April, he's done a great job rebuilding this FDU program. All eight league games will be on NECfrontrow.com along with the NEC on the Run series of streaming apps. Ryan, it's a bittersweet moment when NEC on the Run podcast comes to an end each year. I'll miss talking to you every week. We do have the playoffs. We will we'll, we'll bat some stuff around in the playoffs, hopefully, and we'll see you at the championship game for our uh, NEC Front Row Live. But uh, 11 seasons total. How many have you been with us, Ryan? I believe four now. This is the fourth one. Oh my, you're graduating now. Four years, me and Ryan. Uh, maybe, hey, Ryan, how can I get into this analytics community that you keep talking about each week? It seems like a fun place to be. Sorry, it's an exclusive club run. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you along the way. Playoffs around the corner, March 1st, quarterfinals, and we'll go from there. Thanks for joining us this season. We appreciate all the support.